You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. You know, I began a couple of weeks ago by asking the question as a Christian, what do you think your real purpose is? We've already seen in the service that we believe in next steps, how that we can find our gifting and our personality and discover how we can make a difference according to our design. But to be serious, if I was to boil everything down, having walked with God my whole life, I think my purpose, I think our mission in life is to know Him and to make Him known. And I seriously want today to somehow just come, I want to come as a bit of a popper, as a father and speak from my heart to you because all of us as humans, we drift and we often get our bottom line out of whack that I'm here to know more of God. We don't want church services just to run through the protocol. We want environments where the presence of God can literally begin to change the challenge in our lives. But they're not just to kind of be a Sunday Christian, put on our whites, turn up to Sunday, but to go out and just to live it out and say, we're not here to make you do anything. But Jesus did command the disciples, His parting comments was this, make sure that you make disciples, that you go into all the world, that you are living a life on mission. You've got a purpose about where you work. You've got a purpose about the things that you love to enjoy to do. You've got a purpose with your neighbours. You are there to make a difference. And I think we can lose sight so easily of what matters most to God. I was reading again, Matthew 5 verse 14. And I want you to take note of words that most probably you know, but Jesus said, Do you realise that you are the light of the world? I mean, this is Jesus speaking to the church. He said, you are the light of the world. I found myself just pondering on that again early this morning and I'm thinking, wow, let me put it another way. Am I the reason for today's darkness? Is it because there's an absence of light that's coming from the light I've experienced? That the world is in the state. And so we want to blame the devil and we want to blame people. And the church can be so judgmental, but it's like, no, is my light shining and penetrating the darkness and bringing hope? You are the light of the world. You're a city that is set on a hill. You're not somebody that has a light for Sunday and then you put it under a bushel on Monday. But you're a lampstand. You're somebody that's there, that when the darkness and the pain of darkness and the confusion of darkness and the shame of darkness is surrounding a human light, we walk alongside, not with religious bigotry, but we walk alongside and we bring the answer that God's brought to us. Did you realise that light always has authority over darkness? Come on, how many know that? Middle of the night, especially when you get to my age, you've got to go to the bathroom. And you haven't put everything else away. How many are thankful for a little bit of light? As long as I can make my way in our mirror, we've got a little light in the bottom and that stays on all the time. Just enough to get there. The challenge for some of us is we don't realise that we are the light of the world. If our light doesn't shine, if we don't realise our mission in life is to bring the light that Jesus brought to us to others, then we're never going to see the wonderful Outcome of what can happen. Darkness always exists in the absence of light. 
And we feel like God is shaking our church and going in each one of our campuses. It's not just about having a great, safe environment and leaders that aren't perfect, but we can trust the environment 28 years and God's done amazing miracles. But we're here as light bringers. We, we plug in. Come on. Then we go and shine. We're here to bring something. It's like a couple driving into the country and it was sort of dark and the car began to cough and splutter and then finally stopped. And it was a kind of a miracle because there was just a closed down service station further up the road. So they went, knocked on the door and the mechanic lived behind, came out and said, hey, listen, I'll come. And so he got a torch and came to the car and they lifted the hood and he gave the torch to somebody in the car and said, shine it under the bonnet because I'm, I'm gonna see if there's something wrong with the engine. And so he began to tinker on the engine and work on it. And then the one holding the beam got distracted by something and just turned the light away without even realizing. Then he turned the mechanic to the one holding the light, looked up and with good humor, but impatiently said, listen, would you shine your light? That's what you're here for. Oh, well, pastor, you know, my life's confusing. Shine your light. That's what you're here for. That's what you do. Whatever you do in life, you shine your light because that's what you're here for. Light only becomes evident through its shining. You can have all the torches in the world, but if the batteries aren't charged and the switch isn't on, you might think you've got all the answers for the time of trouble. No, you need to have in you the ability to bring light to the things that are hurting. And it was Charles Spurgeon that once said, you have never truly found Jesus if you don't tell others about Him. And so we sit in churches and we know that's what we should do, although we get distracted on it, but we kind of think, yeah, but I don't wanna become this kind of bigot and I don't wanna be somebody that's forcing stuff on people. In my upbringing in church, it was like you had to go out and just grab everybody and tell them whether you knew them or not. And I've been praying as we came to the series, God, give us something that we could use, like give us a target of how we could really reach the lost. And by the way, we're not trying to get people to sign up to church. We need church to grow. We're wanting people to encounter Jesus. Again, Jesus is the answer. It's not a religion. It's not a fad. It's not a set of rules. He is a person that died for you and He longs to meet you. He longs to walk with you. He longs to become the centre of your greatest mess because He's the one that can untangle the tied up knots. He's the one that can release the power of your past. He can put a new song in your spirit. He can begin to help you discover that you are the beginning of the greatest days of your life, that you can move in and see change. But if there is no light, and then you say to me, well, Paul, how, how do we bring people to Jesus? I felt like God said the beginning point, the first step is to love unconditionally. No strings attached. And we looked at that in the first week, so I won't spend a lot of time, but love that's just love. I'm just gonna love you because that's the way God loves me. He doesn't love me because I'm gonna do the right thing. He loves me. And that thought of loving unconditionally, for me, love is really the commitment of care. I'm just gonna be knowing that I care for people. I just wanna walk into people's lives. That's why if the food's reasonable, I'll go to the same takeaway shop. Don't act like you never go to takeaways. <laughs> why do I go or the same cafe? Because I wanna get past the hi, how are you? They're gonna say, here comes that smiling assassin. No, they just say, I like that guy. He always goes out of his way. I, I seldom, 
hardly ever will leave a restaurant without going to the kitchen window, looking into all of the cooks and saying, hey, thanks for a great meal. And I don't know, it might be one out of 10, might be one out of 100 that do that, but I was once the cook in the kitchen. And you can just say, oh, who is this guy? He just thanked us because everybody else just takes what they want. I'll never forget lining up in a line pre-Christmas in Kmart and St. Luke's. <laughs> Getting Maria a good present for Christmas. <laughs> the lines were long and everything was frantic and everybody was frustrated and the poor checkout people were just like going ballistic. And one of the guys just started yelling at this young girl that was at the, the, the till, you know, at the, what do they call it? Checkout. And... Uh, Showing my age, the till. And anyway, so he just said, what are you doing? Can't you see we've been waiting here for, it seems like hours and everything's not organised and he just went on and on and then it became really personal. You should be doing a better job than this and look at what's happening and you're, basically he was saying, you're wasting my time and going on. And everybody in this row, there would have been about 30 of us just thought, wow, he's just chewing her out. There came a point where I thought, that's enough. I've got a bit of Dutch blood on the inside here. And so I went up and I said, excuse me, sir. He said, what? And then he started running again. I said, excuse me, sir. You see this young lady behind the counter? It's not her fault. It's not her fault that these lines are long. It's not her fault that your thing didn't work or it's not her fault. Why are you chewing her out? Listen, if you've got a problem with it, deal with your attitude and then go and make an appointment with the person that owns Kmart. And exactly what happened in a moment. It was like there were the whole row and the other rows that it had become everybody's ready for this fisticuff and it has, if it had to go there. <laughs> thank God forgiveness is in the wind. <laughs> but it's kind of like, no man, you're not gonna do that. And she's got tears. You know what? There are a lot of people living next to you. People doing the things you love to do. People where you work. They've got a whole lot of stuff screaming at them. And then a whole lot of religious people pointing the finger at them. And it's like, no, come on, let's just love unconditionally. You matter. It's like, well, why are you doing that? Why did you risk it all, get out there? Well, as a pastor, you don't get to fight often, so you've got to take every opportunity. as well. <laughs> you know, the commitment to care. We move from a, a love that's unconditional to a grace that's undeniable. Wouldn't it be great to become a part of God's family that realizes we're not here to place judgment? See, grace that's undeniable is the removal of judgment. And you might go, well, yeah, I've got a problem with that. That's the trouble with the church. It's getting weak. No, you need to understand the dispensation of time you live in. God has never given you the right to judge another person, yet we do it every day. The only person we have a right to judge is ourselves. And even that we get wrong because we don't do it through the eyes of grace. And when you begin to understand that that's what the enemy's used, even Jesus said this in John 12 and verse 46, hey, I've come as the light into the world. So we're talking about you are the light of the world. I've come as the light into the world so that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness any longer. You find Christ and your darkness evaporates. And if anyone hears my words and chooses not to believe in them, I'm not here, said Jesus, to judge them. Wow. I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me, however, and does not receive my words, will have something that judges him. 
the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. So judgment is not for this season of eternity. It's for when life finishes. And so we need to understand. So we are here to bring a grace that is undeniable. And then, of course, as I said in week one, upon invitation, we go to truth that is uncompromised. And so we want to go shoot our mouths off with truth. But I believe Jesus set the example. They heard Him gladly. They came to Him. And when they came to Him, He would not butter up or He would water down the message of Christ. Too many Christians today are watering down Christ. And when there is a heart that is seeking an answer to their darkness, they fail to bring truth. But we don't start with truth. We start with love. Come on, I need an amen in here. We need love that is unconditional, grace that's undeniable. And then people say, well, what is it that you believe? Well, now I've got an invitation to bring truth that is uncompromised. Yeah, but God is just a God of love. No, He's not. He's a God of love. He's a God of grace. He's a God of truth. You see, truth is the release of righteousness. When you want God to come into your life, The Bible says it's our sin that separates us from God. You can have religion, you can have a belief system, but you don't get the authority of God working in your life to set you free until you obey His Word. Yeah, but all society's living this way and that's okay. No, 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 no. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. It's not just salvation from sin, but it's salvation from your past, salvation from your addiction, salvation from the lies that rattle around in your brain, salvation from the words your parents spoke over you that were negative, salvation from your predicament right now. I'm not ashamed. If you align to God's way of living, what happens, it doesn't make you narrow, it widens you. Wow, I'm preaching good today. Bit of pride coming through right there. But. You know, Mahatma Gandhi, one of the great Hindu leaders of time, he investigated Christianity, and this is what he said. If you live like Jesus did, the world would listen. And I think Jesus showed us in that order, love, grace, and truth. There are three men that I've been thinking about in the Bible for some homework. Take Luke 15 this week and read through. I'm not going to read it all. A dad and two boys, a dad that loved two boys. Very close family. In fact, the dad would say to the boys, everything that I am and everything that I have is for you. I got two boys, you are the two boys. And so at the right time, you will get 50% of everything that I have. You have an inheritance, and I'm committed to that inheritance. There was an older son and a younger son, and of course the dad. When I began to think about this story, I realized that one of the sons, the older son, lived purely occupied within the house. He just lived within the house itself. The younger son had made a decision to leave the house, take the inheritance, and go and do what he wanted to do. So he went out and he used a big inheritance but squandered the lot. And if you read the story, he came to a point where he had nothing less and then a famine hit the land so things got a lot worse quickly. Ends up not just working for a pig farmer but eating what the pigs were given to eat. But then there was a dad and the dad, he didn't live just in the house and he didn't live like the younger son outside of the house. He lived at the gate. 
And I feel like God is saying to us as a church that we are to become a gatekeeper church. That we're going to watch we're not slipping and just getting enamored with everything that we've been given. And we shouldn't, if we're in a place where we feel like we've failed God, live at that point. But to realize that God is at the gate and we should be at the gate for people. We should be there going, you know what, it's different to what you think. And today, very quickly, I want to just touch on these three men. The first is the older son. You see, the older son had received it all. And I really want to speak to Christians that have been around God for a while. And we know the Bible teaches us that not only have we received forgiveness, but we have or have become the joint heirs with Christ. The contract has our name in it. And there's a wonderful sense where we've got forgiveness, we've got provision, we've got protection. We've received it all. But if you analyse through John 15, the oldest son, I think a lot of us have become the oldest son. So I, I, today I pray that you won't get offended, but I want to shake you. You see, when you analyse how the oldest son was living, his purpose now had become centred on self. It's like I'm at church because of what I get out of it. I, I do what I do because of the, the remuneration I get. I do what I do because of the status I've received. It's kind of like I come to this church because, you know, it's a good church. And man, they've had some miracles and great kids program. Nothing wrong with all of that. But if that becomes the sole reason, we're drifting into this dilemma of an older son attitude. Whereas I'm here as long as I get it. Uh, Galatians 5.13, for you brethren, listen, as Paul writes, he says, See, you have been called to liberty. In other words, God's brought you freedom. But please don't use your liberty as an opportunity for your flesh. You're not called to live safe and secure and get everything you want. But you should through love move from within the protection of everything you've received to the gate. You're gonna start loving one another because everything is fulfilled in word. one word, which is this, would you love your neighbour as yourself? Don't allow your agenda to be you. Come on, it's getting quiet in here. Up at north and south, it's like, you know, we come because it's convenient, it's close. Well, it's good to be close. We wanna reach our community, there's nothing wrong with that. But is it all about you? Has it become all about you? If I don't get what I want, then, well, you know, I'm not coming along, I don't get much out of that. Well, is it actually about what you get out every time or is it about others that haven't got what you've got? You know, let me go there for a moment because if I'm going to offend people, I'm going to go all the way. <laughs> you know, we, we, all get, we all come late to church sometimes. We can't come to everything. I get all of that. But if that's just what you do all the time and yet you've got a faith, you say, then I go, what do you think the Father would want you to do? Maybe come early and just look for someone that used to be where you were? Your worship may inspire a radius of three meters around you. Wow, look at that guy getting lost, that lady getting lost. Maybe I, I don't need to try that, that weird thing lifting my hands. And, and I'm tongue in cheek, but I'm not. You see, his purpose became centered on self. And I don't think that's the way we ought to live. In fact, you read about him in verse 29. So he said to his father, Father, you, you don't realize this younger brother's come back, but he's, he's wayward. He doesn't deserve what I deserve. I've been serving you. Nobody said thank you. I, 
I've never transgressed your commandment any time and yet you never gave me a young goat. You know what he was saying? You're taking one of my goats. This is my inheritance what's left. He made his decision and went and he deserves what he got. Come on, let's not be people that are possessed of belief and a faith, but live with an attitude of a, again, an older brother. Let's make sure that we activate our responsibility to say we're not just gonna stay there. His purpose had become centred on self. His possessions now dominated his heart. Well, I pray that church here at Life on our watch will never get enamoured with the miracles that God gives us. Come on, we're not just gonna say, thank you, God, we're able to have the wonder of seeing your promised blessing become ours, but then it begins to dominate our heart. No, the Bible says it is hard for a rich man, Jesus said, to enter the kingdom of heaven because the more you have, the more you're gonna get sidelined by what you have. The more you'll have to keep doing stuff that has no eternal importance to keep alive the things that you have. And we've just gotta break that spirit of an older brother. I mean, we're gonna teach it to our kids. We've got grandkids. Take them to McDonald's. You know what happens when we take them to, I gotta get something off my chest. Take them to McDonald's. And Mimi's never got her wallet. So Papa has to pay. <laughs> it doesn't take long to get in the car. Well, they're all sitting in the car. We're driving through. And somebody asks one of the kids, one of the kids asks one of the kids, the grandkids, can I have some of your chips? If they don't have some. Because they thought they didn't want them. Now they do want them. No, they're mine. And I'm sitting on the front. They're not flipping yours. I got Dutch blood, they're mine. <laughs> so I have to cast all that out and say, would you give Papa a chip, please? Hey, listen, older brother mentality. I have a right. No, 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 let's lay down. Let's not get enamored with everything that's ours. Let's begin to say, God, what do you want to do? Okay, you ready? Over the last 12 months, this is a popper speaking. What have you contributed to see the kingdom of God on earth advance? And you may be in a state where right now you are still working through the failure of the past. You're being restored. Well, the best thing you can do is be in hospital but I don't believe Christians are in hospital forever. Are you just a receiver? Or are you somebody that realized everything God's given you is to become a light for someone else? And I want us to be that kind of church where you can come and just enjoy and hide in the back or the front, doesn't really matter for a while, get healed, but then realize the answer to your fulfillment is when I build the kingdom. You don't have to do what I do and I don't have to do what you do. But one day God will say, what did you do with what I gave you? How did it build the kingdom? Did you take the torch from where it should be showing to the things that you wanted to see? And make sure you don't end up as the older brother. You know, I think we need a shift. Encouraged uh, by the win of the South Africans in the World Cup. And uh, well done to the English the week before. But the South Africans, if you saw it and uh, you know a little bit about them, uh, Sia Kalisi 
or Khaleesi, who is the captain of the South African Springboks, actually goes to Hillsong in Cape Town. I've met him and met some of the team and the very much God-fearing people. Uh, but in his interview, they talked about the win. This is what he said. We talked as a team this week and we decided this was not about the World Cup. We realized that this was about our country, South Africa. And he said, our country is broken and there are many, many problems. But this team has come together with all different races. Some of us used to live on the streets, some of us from mansions, and yet we all pulled together and when we work together as one, we can take home a World Cup. Our nation, if we were to work together, all of us as one, we could change a nation. Hear my heart, more important than that, believe it or not, is the eternal destiny of people. They're lost and they need to be found. And it's kind of like God saying, but you're it, it's not me. Well, God, why don't you move? I'm, I'm moving through you, you're the light. Don't become an older brother. Don't become somebody that's caught up in all the things that are cool, but at the end are not what it's all about. It's not about you getting your fatted calf. It's about you creating an opportunity to somebody who didn't know better to find an answer. And I want to realize, and it's kind of like the older brother didn't realize that sin costs. We're not here to add to the outcome of sin. Sin is going to separate you from God. Sin is going to create condemnation. Sin will cause you to be a carrier of shame. Sin in itself, you see, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict of sin, not ours. And as a human being, I know the pain of doing wrong and the outcomes of that and we've got to confront that in fact Romans 6:20. for when you were slaves of sin you were freed from what was expected of righteous living what fruit did you have then in the things of which now you are ashamed for in the end those things are death in other words sin it's tantalizing in the moment but you continue sinning then at the end of the street it's going to bring death to everything else so the enemy sort of puts a cover over and sin, sin is cool, everybody's doing it. No, he wants you to never can, um, encounter the wonder of God. The wages of sin, verse 23 of the same chapter, is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I just believe that God wants us to move on. You see, the father was not like the older brother. He was there at the gate. The older brother the oldest son had received it all so he never really understood the value of it but the father had made it and he realized he was there to invest it all and I love that thought in Luke 15 20 the youngest son who was out and wayward the Bible says when the youngest son was still a great way off what his father saw him who are we seeing where we work who are we seeing where we live who are we seeing when we're having fun what are we doing? What are we stopping? And while he was a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion on him, fell on his neck and kissed him. That whole thought of the father was just kind of there. I'm going to work this week. I'm going to the cafe I go to if I go this week. I'm going to the fun things I'm going to do. And I got my antennas up. I'm looking for somebody that's been lost in sin. I'm looking for somebody that's consumed in darkness. I'm looking for somebody that's carrying deep pain that on the mask you can't see. But deep down it's a reality because you can't find fulfillment in life until you find the author, which is Jesus at the centre of it all. And somebody that needs to have love that's unconditional. Somebody then who needs to see because of my relationship, there is a grace that's undeniable. And then 
somebody that's going to say, there's something different about you. And you hear, it's not me, it's the God that's in me. I'd love to tell you about how righteous ways will set you free. How that truth empowers you to stand up and to walk and to be who you were called to be. You know, the father welcomed him home and he said, here's the robe. Where'd the robe come from? I think it was his robe. Do you know there's a robe in the Bible called the robe of righteousness? You will never be good enough for the holiness of God, neither will I. But Jesus died on a cross to put his robe on me. I'm covered with his righteousness. Put a ring on his finger. He said, son, you're coming back as a servant, but I want to tell you, you're a son. You got the authority of this house. You are a part of this family. You've never, ever not been a part. You've just chosen to live outside. Here's the shoes. Do you realize all the slaves and the servants in those days didn't wear shoes? So when you had the shoes, again, it just caused you to know you were a, a son. The father lived for the son's return. I pray we become a church that lives for that. The father located himself at the gate. He was just there. Wouldn't it be cool for us to walk around where we work, as I said, come on team, come and join me. Walk around the things we love to do. Walk around the street we live in. Wherever we go on holiday, we're walking around and we're always seeing ourselves at the gate of someone else's need. We're there to help out. We've got the time to love, to grace and on invitation to bring truth. And I love this verse 23. Bring the fatted calf here, said the dad, and kill it. Let's eat and be merry. For this is my son who was dead, but now is alive again. He was lost. We all get lost at times. But now he's found. Lost and found. And they began to be merry. You know, it's just a bit of light that changes a whole lot of darkness. A couple came to me in the foyer and said, amazing thing happened this morning in the first service in Central. I said, what was that? This lady came and sat next to us. They began to talk. And then she said, I'm here for the first time. But I've been watching that guy, Paul, on Life TV. So I thought I'd check it out and see what's happening. They talked and then came to realize, the lady said, I think I know you. Talked to the wife and they had met in some sort of beauty place or some sort of parlor 19 years ago. And the lady, Nikki, from our church had spoken to her in such a loving and friendly way. She remembered a conversation that was 19 years old. And she shared how that she'd been through a whole lot of sad and hard stuff, but then started to watch live TV and now was here this morning. I want to tell you, a little bit of light. God can organize all the other dots. A little bit of light 19 years ago, a little bit of live TV and found a place called home. We as a church, let's not get enamored about what we get out of it and become an older brother. Let's be thankful for what we get. Let's become a dad. Let's become a gatekeeper. Let's be somebody. You see, maybe you're here today and you go, wow, is there a space for me? Absolutely. There was the younger son. See, the older son had received it all, the father invested it all, but the younger son had lost it all. The good news of the gospel is no matter what you've stuffed up, no matter what you've lost, it's not the end of the story. And so when he got to that place of one, he began to cry out 
They said, if I just was a servant, if I just became a servant in my father's house, it's better than eating pig's food. He says, I'm going back to dad and say, I'll be a servant. And he said, dad, I've sinned. Until you acknowledge your sin, you never find a place called peace. Sin separates us. God still loves us. He's waiting at the gate. But you've got to make that, cho- that choice, that decision to enter the gate. And so there it is. You see, sin led him to a dead end street. It's like it's cool to sin. Everybody's sinning. Yeah, Christians sin. I sin. But I realise sin, if I hold on to that, if I don't bring it to the forgiveness of Christ, it separates me from God. And so there is no future. Sin is a dead end street, but then surrender. I love this verse that says, He came to Himself. And surrender is literally what sets us on a pathway home. Verse 17, when He came to Himself, He said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to eat? Yet I perish with hunger. I'm going to arise, go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned. Maybe today, each campus, there's some of us that need to say, God, I've walked with you before, but I've let sin get in the way. Today I'm saying, I need to come home. I'm sick of living outside. Don't let condemnation rule and ruin your future. I've sinned. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He arose and came to his father. And God met him there. I want to tell every prodigal, you're welcome here. I want to tell every human being, no matter what your bias is in life, where you find yourself, we're all an outcome of what we've gone through. But Jesus meets us and He gives us a new foundation. I want to read an email I got this week. Touched on it in the men's conference, but just this week it came in from a lady called Maureen. She may be in South this morning. Hey, this is a testimony from your Life TV program. You see, I made a decision at your city campus in the early 2000s. But for whatever reason, I ended up choosing to walk away and to do life differently. Um, After some years being severely addicted to opiate painkillers, it all came to a head in February of this year and I suffered seven to nine weeks of brutal opiate withdrawals and detoxing. And all of this I did at home with my mum and myself. It's amazing, my mum soon figured out that when she turned on Shine TV, I would calm down. Even though I had spent most of my time living on another planet, I would sort of become conscious for Life TV and another teaching program from Legacy Church, but was not sure it could work for me. Like God, He's gonna be mad. He's gonna even hate me because of I walked away from the things That were to do with him and I've done since. Then a mate shared his faith with me, invited me to church on Father's Day this year at the South Campus. And I first said no, because I guess I thought the place would collapse if I entered it. But he asked me again and I wanted to say no, but yes came out. And he bundled me into the car before I could change my mind. So Pastor Paul, you were on the screen and I swear it was like you were sitting next to me, talking to me. And it felt close, but closer still was this thing I got from the message. As you said, I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I forgive you. I love you. And that combined with the thing that I felt just blew me away and impacted me so profoundly that it took me a month to go to another service. But that month it kept coming into my mind. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I forgive you. On the 6th of October, 
I was finally done with running from God. I cannot outrun God. So I made a decision to come back to Jesus. And I felt the thing. I've come to a real relationship with Jesus now and I'm learning so much about God's character and His true thoughts towards me. I received a Bible that morning and I wrote my decision date in it and I read read it daily and take it with me everywhere as I journal. I also learned that I don't have to wait until the service to feel the thing. Because that thing is actually the Holy Spirit. And I can have Him with me all the time. I face some physical and mental challenges as a result of addiction. I've replaced a couple of things, but I pick myself up and I come back to God and cool people just want to like champion me and journey with me. They're not just giving lip service. They actually show up, text, call, stop by. I never thought this life could be possible. I was so battered, bruised, broken, so isolated, so removed, so dead, so hopeless inside. My soul was destroyed. I'm being loved back to life. I was told I would take up to two years for my brain to fully recover if it hadn't permanently damaged me. My body would take some time to readjust without chemicals. I couldn't string two words together in February, March of this year. I couldn't concentrate or think clearly. If I tried to write, it came out like wiggles, not letters. I couldn't read anymore. I had issues. I would pray the prayers at at the end of each of your programs and would try the things suggested on the talks. And I began to see my life change. I can now speak normally. My brain is practically recovered. Sounds like it with a writing. It still gets the wobbles from time to time. We all get those. And I can write a journal again. I've taught myself to read again. The Bible was the first adult book I've read in October. And I can say I can read my Bible. It becomes clear and the words don't smash together. If I try to read a novel, I haven't got there yet. My prayer is this encourages you as much as it's encouraged me, a life changed. Maureen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.